0: Listening to a podcast from Light FM.
1: The Light Breakfast with Asha and Terry. Good, Good morning. morning. And on Monday, Motivators Today, our guest is an award winning doctor and one of the leading medical voices in obstetrics and gynecology research in Malaysia, and recently awarded the globally prestigious FIGO Women's Award 2023, recognizing her contribution to women's health. It's Dr. Pramitha Damodaran with us.
0: You are such an important force in the world of women's medicine for everything you do and how you. actually work with your patients in such a holistic way. But what was your first dream? What did you want to be when you were growing up? And and how did you actually end up getting into medicine and the world of Ops and gyne?
2: First of all, thank you very much. Uh, that was That's a really nice start to my day when I get that kind of a comment. <laughs> but let me tell you that I've always wanted to be a doctor. And, and now, retrospectively, when I look at it, I don't know why. Wow. I remember at five when someone asked me and I said, no, I want to be a doctor. And it never <laughs> ever wayward, wow. But I can tell you something. My parents did not want me to become a doctor. They wanted me to become a teacher or an accountant because they just thought that the field of medicine was difficult. Mm. And mm. this is from my dad, who's also a doctor. Okay? Oh. He was a practicing anesthesiologist at that time. Mm. And then I got into medicine. And then they said, never become an obstetrician and gynecologist. You don't have a life. You know what? You go and do skin and you go and do ENT, but you never become an obstetrician. And lo and behold, when I started you know, doing my rotation... It, uh, during my housemanship, I just fell in love with obstetrics and gynecology. By that time, my parents just decided to keep their mouth shut. So here I am,
0: you know, many years later. I love they had to stop because every time
1: they told you not to do something, you did it.
0: Well, I was just gonna absolutely. Say, I was going to say thank goodness for us women in this country that you were born a rebel, obviously, and still <laughs> continue to be a rebel, which is why you're absolutely. making absolutely.
2: I always made noise um, and I am going to continue making noise because I think someone needs to hear it for the women, you know, someone Mm -hmm. needs to champion their cause.
1: Absolutely. And it couldn't have been an easy path to get to this point. So that's why we want to ask you, like, what are the biggest challenges or sacrifices you've had to make to get to where you are today?
2: Uh, well I think I think I've been blessed to be very honest in many ways um I've worked hard and the path just opened so I know that this doesn't happen to many people mm. I've been really blessed in the sense that I've had good mentors who started me on the right path who showed me that right direction and for that I'm tremendously grateful um because without them I could not have done this and working hard you you need to work hard you cannot Take that away. You need mm-hmm. to work hard. You need to sacrifice time, family, nights, sleep. <laughs> you need to do all that. But at the end of the day, when things actually work out in your favor or rather in, in the way you want women's health to be recognized in this country, mm-hmm. that's the greatest joy that you can have. And, and you know, and I hope to continue doing
0: that. What lit your fire to do more than just be a really good doctor for women?
2: I really don't know. I don't know uh, what was that key point. But I do know that the more and more I started talking to women... And the more and more I started dealing with women in clinics and talking to them and understanding what made them tick and what made them feel down and Mm -hmm. what made them motivated, that actually inspired me more. Mm -hmm. And it's it's that that was the crucial turning point because I love interacting with my patients. Mm -hmm. I love making sure that everything works out right for them, Mm -hmm. trying to get them to feel better about themselves You know, I have a box of tissues in my clinic because many times (laughs) when they come in and then they break down Mm -hmm. and I always hand them that tissue because at the end of the day, I want them to wipe away their tears and go out of my clinic smiling Mm -hmm. because there was someone who would be able to listen to them without being judgmental, Mm -hmm. without um, you know telling them what to do, what not to do, someone Mm -hmm. just to pour out what their problems about their health or other areas are and then make them feel better. And I think that's what I would love
0: to do and mm-hmm. I would love to continue doing that. Do you remember that moment in time? Because obviously, you know, you go into medicine, you train as a doctor. We've all watched House. We've all watched Great <laughs> Anatomy, We've all seen how... It doesn't work like that in, in, real- <laughs> no, in the reality world. <laughs> doc, don't burst our bubble here. Yeah. But you see all these sort of like... <laughs> fresh doctors, you know, being put through the ringer and stuff. And you don't get taught necessarily how to interact with your patients or what they actually need. So do you remember that sort of pivotal moment or that one woman or that incident that kind of made you stop and kind of go, I need to have more time with my patients Mm. I need to listen to them more like do you remember a moment yes
2: I do Uh, and I think this was way way back um, and I think that was somewhere I would easily say about 30 years ago and I was in training and I was towards the end of my training and there was this woman who came in with problems of you know, feeling very, having a lot of itchiness all over her body, mm-hmm. and couldn't explain what was actually going on. Um, she was having period problems. She was having um, a lot of other symptoms which she was worried about because she had googled and googled it all wrong, oh. and and uh, you know she thought that she had cancer. And then I examined her and everything was okay. And I know it was a really busy clinic in that on that particular day. And, you know, we're talking about government clinics and, you know, you have like 50, 60 people mm-hmm. um, to Thanks. see. And I said, actually, you're very okay. Everything is all right with you. And then, you know, she got up and then she collapsed and she started crying. She actually mm-hmm. fell on the floor Ooh. and she started crying. And I You know, being um, still relatively junior in the field of medicine, even though I'm in training, I actually got a big shock because she fell and she started sobbing. And Mm. and my nurse and myself picked her up and put her on the chair, gave her something to eat and drink. Mm. And Mm. then she started talking about a lot of marital problems family issues mm-hmm. and how she had been dropped out of work and then i started putting everything together and i realized that here was a woman that was crying for help mm-hmm. yes she had some sort of gynecological issue for which she did come to see me mm-hmm. but it was all more than that because we women we put everything into us so whenever we have problems our gynecological issues are the main problem area that we know gets affected so our period's mm-hmm. get affected it becomes more painful we have irregular periods so everything we absorb in all our problems and then it shows mm-hmm. m- and mainly as gynaecy issues mm-hmm. and then you go and see a gynaecologist and you hope for an empathetic gynaecologist mm-hmm. who not only just deals with you know what you have actually come in and voiced out but to see behind that picture and to see what actually led to this particular point. Mm. So I think that was one of the turning points where I just said, I need to slow down. I, I can't have this hurried clinics anymore. I need to just take a step back, breathe, and look at that particular woman in a completely different way. Mm. So
0: I guess that's where it started. for that woman. We can thank that woman. (laughs) For (laughs)
1: making that change and making you realize even more how much you could do as a doctor. Like Hearing you speak about um, the way you treat your patients makes me wish I was a woman because (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could be your patient. (laughs) No, no, come along. (laughs) I I will treat you. Don't worry. And considering all of the achievements that you've done, uh, where you've reached to this point right now, I'm sure your schedule is so big Busy, you've got so much to do you're always running to get things done how do you then take time to take care of yourself how do you maintain your own health
2: i wake up at about 5 30 i need that time in the mornings and the mornings are my me time mm. so um like this morning you know i got up i usually do about 30 minutes to 45 minutes of workout but this morning i decided just to do about 20 minutes but that 20 minutes of me time. And of course, I mm. need, I'm so sorry, I need my Korean drama in front of me while I'm exercising.
1: <laughs> no, no, you know, to won't take, take my that. mind off everything else. <laughs>
2: yes. um, so that 20 minutes. Right. Is enough for me to recharge for that particular day, and I need that so badly. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'm not the person I am for the rest of the day. So, in the mornings, never disturb me between five thirty to six thirty,
0: (laughs) because otherwise, you won't see a sane doctor ahead of you.
1: Korean dramas, Korean dramas. (laughs) Take note, everyone. Korean dramas and exercise.
0: (laughs) I love that actually. Sort of, uh, my mom used to do that. You know, even though she was tired, get up that much earlier because that was. Her sort of slowly easing into the day the way she wanted to without us pesky Mm. children ruining it for her, (laughs) you know, and it makes all the difference. Yeah,
1: You were officially awarded with uh, the 2023 FIGO Award in recognition of female obstetricians and gynecologists. What does this mean to you uh, as a doctor?
2: Oh, it means so much. I'm so, again, so, so lucky. There are lots of people who are doing so much uh, for women out here in this country. But to be recognized for this, it just takes my breath away, to be very honest. Now, FIGO is the international body. So it's the French acronym for International Federation of Gynecologists and Obstetricians. Mm. So that's that big world body that rules everyone else. So what they do is actually recognize leading gynecologists in respective countries who have worked for women's health in that particular country Mm -hmm. and I was really lucky Malaysia put me in and for my work in menopausal health and that big body then goes through all the nominations and then picks up who they're going to award it to Mm -hmm. so yes really blessed about it really lucky about it and of course it just gives me the impetus to work even harder and be Mm -hmm. more driven in what I want to do.
0: What do you think an award like that also does to sort of highlight your cause here in your home country, Malaysia? Because you know, I'm very vocal about menopause, and I'm hoping that all the women and men around me also uh, feel more comfortable talking about it. But in regards to that, how how do you hope? That well, I, I I want to rebrand this
2: word menopause. Yes, I we do. we need to rebrand yes. it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we've all we still even though we we uh, what we call modernized and we think differently, I still feel, honestly, that we belong to this Grimm's fairy tales where (laughs) the maiden is that young, lovely lady who, who has that, red apple Mm -hmm. and bites into it the mother is that strong person who makes the porridge and makes that apple pie and then you have the witch who's got osteoporosis and with the cane and she is depicted as the bad person and she's menopausal and I think we have all grown up with that picture in our Mm head that menopause is bad you know and that needs to be Mm rebranded we Mm -hmm. need to change that whole concept there is this real urgent need for a very more realistic balanced way of thinking that you know we need to um, actively challenge this gender ageism we need to talk more about menopause we need to take away the shame of menopause and so here i am um you know starting off that process and hoping to get somewhere i'm giving myself 10 years let's see whether this works out or not you know i I told myself at the end of 10 years we should not think of menopause as a shameful event but it should be an event that women should be you know happy to go into a, a glorified event rather than a bad yeah. part of
0: one's life how do you feel as Pramita the person like you really have put your blood sweat and tears and into this and to be recognized Pramita the person is not stopping I've got so many things in my head to do <laughs>
2: I'm charged with really a lot of energy and mm. I just feel that here me postmenopausal. And in no way slowing down mm. should be an example to all the menopausal women out there because there's so much that we can do. So Premita, the woman, is feeling charged. Premita, the doctor, is really happy with whatever that she's doing. Yeah. And Premita, the woman, is actually celebrating her menopausal years.
0: Oh, I love that!
1: Uh, you're so vibrant, <laughs> and so, I wish every doctor in my entire life I ever met was like you. Actually, like <laughs> I'd be like look looking forward to every appointment that I ever made in order to find out what's going to be at my next appointment. Right? What What's next for you as as um well, in your life or um, career?
2: Next, okay, so World Menopause Day is on October 18th. Um, So, on behalf of the Obstetrical and Gynecological Society of Malaysia, we are actually launching the patient education pamphlets on menopause. They are infographics that we are launching. Today it's going to be in English, but I've already got my translators ready for the BM version, the Tamil, and the Mandarin version because we want to send it all out. And, you know, I think uh, it's also very unfair that we are talking about menopause in the urban population Mm. we should be going into the districts into the village into the villages to talk to these women who are actually suffering very silently Mm. um we need to look at the orang asli's we there are lots of things that we can do and so as i said you know i'm
0: charged and i'm there so let's see what happens these leaflets these informations that's sort of your next action plan as it were what what's it going to do what's it going to give So I want to increase awareness towards menopause. Mm -hmm. And I want to make everyone
2: menopause aware, not to be scared about it, but to celebrate that phase in our lives, to look after our lives. Because of the fact that we know that with menopause, um, certain problems can come along. Mm -hmm. So let's approach it right from the very beginning so that women who are now living 30 years, 40 years, you know, beyond the age of menopause can continue being productive mentally, physically Mm. and improve the nation and be somewhere in this
0: country. What would you like to say to uh, any doctors listening, whether to this or to the podcast in relation Mm. to the kind of conversations you'd love for them to initiate with their patients?
2: I'd like to say that every patient that comes to us has a story. It's not what they say to you, um, but there is always a story to whatever their symptoms they come in with. Mm. Listen to that story because that story helps us treat that patient better.
0: Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's super powerful. Thank you so much, Dr. Pramisa, for talking to us. And uh, I'll be sharing your pamphlet. So send me a digital copy. will do thank you so much for having me (laughs) you've been listening to a Light FM podcast
2: on SHOCK that's S-Y-O-K